On this episode of the Fun V Tailgate Podcast, Greg Piatelli and I get you ready for Wild Card Weekend in the NFL. It is 2020, and we go through all four of the games this weekend. We go through key matchups, key players, key X factors. It was a lot of fun to record. Cannot wait to hear what you guys think about that. And because it is New Year's Day, we recap the NHL Winter Classic and give you guys a second half preview. Let us know what you think in the comments. That was a lot of fun to record. As always, though, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Search The Bullpen Cart on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You're not going to want to miss an episode in 2020, especially with everything that we have planned. Follow us on Twitter. ThunderBLG is the handle there. Thunderbox Sports on Instagram and Facebook. But enjoy this episode, guys. Fly, Eagles, fly. And here we go. episode of the Fun V Tailgate Podcast on the Bullpen Card Podcast feed in the new year. I, of course, am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell, and joining me is my man, the legend himself, Mr. Greg Piatelli. How are you, my friend? Pretty, uh, you know, there's been a lot of, uh, a, a lot of solo pods through the years, a lot of people uh, take stabs at it, take attempts. But your last podcast, uh, I believe it came out Friday, was or Monday or whenever. Drop Tuesday was the best one you've done. Was the best one you've done ever. Oh, you're just pumping my tires. Oh, Jordy, one where once you were awkward and. Very, very dry and dull during solo pods. This one, you flowed. Everything was smooth. Everything, you hopped on topic to topic. Your energy was there. The best solo pod you've done, hands down. Oh, man. You spoke with confidence. Yeah, you spoke with confidence, passion. That is so, especially solo pods, you don't have that. Uh, you, you know, you often, not you, but people don't tend to speak with confidence and passion. You had it. Um, your knowledge of all things Phillies really came through. Um, my only co- critique, uh, I guess I have two critiques. Here we go. No, I only have one. I have one critique and one uh, one suggestion. Okay. Which 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 would which would you like first, the critique or the suggestion? Uh, dealer's choice, my friend. Well, you got to pick one. All right, critique first. All right, the only critique is. How dare you? How dare you have the have the gall to thank Matty D before me? How <laughs> dare you? Oh man! I mean, could you? I mean, hey, he you, co-founded you, the Thunderblog, so could you have slapped me in the face? Could you have slapped me in the face anymore? Uh, oh well, Greg. Let this be my formal I mean, apology. I apologize that you weren't. You were saying oh first on the Facebook God. post, so you got that. Uh, 
You got you. Zuckerberg thinks I you're mean, first, and he's always watching. I mean, you don't think he listened? Oh man, could you imagine that if we just like in the, if we if we get that robotic Mark Zuckerberg from South Park? Like, I listen to your podcast. You have interesting takes. <laughs> could you? I mean, seriously though. <laughs> The 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 disrespect, not the disrespect. Oh, the only the only thing, the only excuse I was thinking that you were th- that potentially could have saved you here, a little life raft, if you will, is that it is Maddie D's birthday weekend or uh, wedding, wedding weekend, weekend. <laughs> wedding weekend. So, uh, my. My only hope is that that is the only reason as to why you thanked him before you thanked me. Now, let's move on to my suggestion, Jordy. <laughs> all right, all right. You make, when you made your mistake on the pod, in the solo pod, you know exactly what it is. And when you stumbled and you couldn't remember the word or whatever it was, mm-hmm. you, hit, you hit pause from record. You hit, you hit pause from the recording button. You Google what you're looking for. You you hit record again. You speak into existence a sentence, and then as the editor of the podcast, you go back and just cut it out. You're right. You're right. I can. That's do my that. suggestion. That's my, that, that's my suggestion. Sure. That's my suggestion. My critique is you thank my ID before me. Suggestion. When like you make it. a mistake, edit it. I like it. Um, I wanted to be more off the cuff, like it is with you and me, where there isn't. Really, any pausing or moving aside from when we do the segments and when we have a guest on and all that sort of stuff. Uh, really, you know, from from start to end, though, there there is not a little inside baseball for our, our viewers. There, uh, there is some cutting if if we pause too long or if you know we think something needs to be brought out or too many ums or something like that. But you know, I'll, I'll, certainly, the, that's the beauty, I guess, of the solo pot. Is I'm not a. It's just me out there. I'm not I'm not relying on being like, oh, hold up, hold up, hold up. I got to cut this. That's the point. You can. No, that's what cut I'm saying. It. I'm agreeing with you. So, I'm still shook, and will forever be shook. Do you like the golf idea, though? You like that? The Sunday night. This might happen in the tournament. Need to need to workshop that a little bit. It starts tomorrow. The PG the 2020 season. Yeah, I mean, technically it already started, but um, yeah, right. it starts in the fall. Yeah, you're right, but like it really wraps right. up with the Tournament of Champions, which starts tomorrow. Right, but the season already started. They're, they've already had like 12 tournaments, so... You're right. You're, there there have been FedEx Cup points collected since uh, since Rory captured it. 12 tournaments is a lot, just... 12 tournaments is a lot, just saying. Anyway, anyway. Um, yeah, golf is fun. I personally don't watch it every week, and personally... I don't know enough about it to be your golf guy. Um, oh, it might just be a solo thing. Me talking for 20 minutes, but I, that's what you miss. Here's some good shots. Maybe throw a little audio in. Yeah. I mean, again, I I, I haven't – I don't watch it every week, so I, I don't know if I can be that guy for you. Sure. Um, but, Jordy – Let's get into why we're all here. We're here for the NFL preview. We're here for the week wild card weekend uh, for the NFL. Let's get 
into it. Yes. It's going to be a fun weekend, I think. And sadly, because it is Maddie D's wedding weekend, I don't think I'm going to get to watch a ton of it on Saturday, at least. And then Sunday, breaking news, I probably won't really get to watch the Saints-Vikings game because I'll be tailgating and then attending the Eagles-Seahawks game. So I might only get to watch one game this weekend. Man, that regular Dead serious. What day is Maddie's wedding? What? Where is he getting married? What day? He's getting married Saturday at half past six, it says on his wedding invitations. Are you in the wedding? I am in the wedding. So the first game's at 4.30, the, te- the Texans-Bills game, but we're, we're supposed to be ready zero, to go by Zero three. chance. Supposed to be ready to yeah, go by for 3 pictures. o'clock. Yeah, for, for pictures. For, so I don't know if, right, how for, much we're going to get to watch yeah. the Bills-Texans game. Here's the thing: pictures are either pictures are either going to be done. Uh, the whole group does it beforehand, and, the, and then the couple does it, or it's going to be a couple first, and then everyone else. So there's a very real possibility and chance that you're going to be able to watch 0.0 of any of the games on Saturday, unless I'm, you get a 11:30 after party uh, watching the end of the Patriots game, which at that point hopefully it won't be a game, but. Uh, looks like the only game you're gonna be well, you can you can have it. Whoever goes to tailgates, they have, everyone brings portable TVs. You can watch both games on Sunday. Yeah, that's a good. You're point. just making excuses. That's a good point. And you you've been to the Philadelphia Sports Complex, so you know you remember, remember Xfinity Live, the mega bar that's in between the baseball and football stadium. Mm. So for all intents and purposes, let's yes. say you do. We tailgate right next to the Wells Fargo Center, and they have a giant TV, so we might be able to see it from a distance. So I'll get to see some, but I won't be like. Who I'm, are you going with? Uh, going with family friends. Whom are you going? With whom? Uh, my friends, my friends Liza, Mike, and one of Liza's friends. It's her her parents' tickets, and she invited me to the game. Oh. Yeah. Uh, is the fiance going? Uh, she is not. She might come tailgate. I think she might have to work Sunday because uh, she works most Sundays. So. That might prevent her you from hate tailgate. to see it. I hate to see it. I'm bummed that she it. can't. Well, that's how I got... That's, right. I was uh, with, her, with my friends to the Giants game earlier. The big debate that we're trying to figure out is Matt's uh, soon-to-be in-laws are going to the game the day after they're hosting this wedding, and they have all these different tickets, and we're trying to figure out if Matt and his uh, his bride will be going or not, or are they going to spend some, some uh, husband-wife time? Are they going... When are they going their honeymoon? Not until June. They're doing a mini moon. I think so. I think they're doing one in like February. Doing nothing right now? I don't think so. Oh, that's a bold strategy. Anywho, Jordy, uh, let's get into it. Game one, Houston-Buffalo. Buffalo travels to Houston. Uh, Two quarterbacks who... What, are they both two years, or is Watson three? No, this is Watson's third. He was hurt in his rookie year, though, okay. so it's his first or second full season in the league because uh, he got hurt in that rookie year towards ACL. Um, but, yeah, both fairly mobile, too, so you get that that aspect to, to it, two de- defenses that can stifle up offenses, uh, might be able to reduce some of the mobile quarterback play. Um Houston's favored two and a half over under set at 43. And what are your immediate thoughts of this, Greg? 
and a half by Houston. Two and a half for Houston. Mm. Let's see. I have the over uh, 42 and a half. Ah, JJ, allegedly JJ Watt is supposed to be playing this week. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say because because of Houston's defense, uh, granted Buffalo's defense is very good. They, they are uh, elite at stopping the pass. However, I have a feeling that Houston's going to run the ball down their throats and Buffalo's offense, I don't believe is good enough to beat Houston's defense at this stage. Um, they don't run the ball enough and you need to be able to establish the run and then be able to pass the ball coming out of it to beat Houston's defense. So to me, uh, I'm taking Houston all the way, which I know, you know, based on their history and, they them playing on a Saturday. Their record's not great, but I think this Houston team's different. I think they have, um, you know, they haven't been relying on too many huge names. You know, normally everyone relies on JJ Watt. They haven't been doing that. They've been allowed to create their own identity all season long. And uh, I think Will Fuller, DeAndre Hopkins, and that offense just uh, is able to have a very good day against Buffalo's defense. Yeah, that's a pretty good point. And former Bill, Carlos Hyde, 1,000-yard rusher. DeAndre Hopkins, obviously we know what he's been able to do and once again repeated it with 1,100 yards. Will Fuller, while he gets banged up here and there, still had a pretty good season. Kenny Stills came over from the Dolphins along with um, with uh, Laramie Tunsil. And both of them have been immediate impact players. You made a really good point on the defense that they should be able to stifle up that pass attack, which really isn't saying much anyway because John Brown's one of the main targets. Cole Beasley gets some duff gets gets it done through the slot. They have the <coughs> excuse me, they have Knox, their tight end, who Josh Allen likes to try to target, but this is more about the run for this Buffalo team, and that's how they try to get it try to get the ball moving. Josh Allen rushed for over five hundred yards. Frank Gore had a pretty good season. Devlin Singletary, while well, he was banged up, had a decent season. So I, I mean it's a really good point if they make that this game one-dimensional and Buffalo has to try to do it with, with their feet on the ground. Uh, this could be a very low-scoring game, and, and Houston might be out of the, the first round for the first time in a while. Um, that being said, I think it will be close. I think there will be there will be a little more offense than we think. That always seems to happen when two do, good defenses get together, that something gets figured out. And while I'd like to say the Bills get out of the first round too – um, I'm gonna have to go with you. I think Buffalo w- or uh, Houston wins probably by, by about a touchdown. I think that they got this thing pretty easily locked up. Yeah, I'm going under. I feel like people be conservative in the playoffs. But anyway, let's move on to the other AFC game, Jordy. What do we got? So we got your New England Patriots as a five point home favorite against the Tennessee Titans, who come in at nine and seven. Kind of a weird 9-7 because they were up fairly big a couple weeks ago against the Chargers and then ended up losing their game uh, that Week 16 showdown. Fall to fall to that 8-7 uh, and seven mark. They end up winning against the Texans last week to move up to 9-7. and seven. Uh, Derrick Henry sat out in Week 16, and uh, if he probably plays, he can help drain the clock a little bit. And that's probably where this starts and ends is talking about Derrick Henry, what you're going to get out of him against a pretty stingy New England defense. I know, uh, you know, last week notwithstanding against the Dolphins, the Patriots have been very good defensively this year, and I think 
the Titans live and breathe with getting Derrick Henry established. I know that Ryan Tannehill has had a very good second half to his year. A.J. Brown's had a really good second half of his rookie season. But I think Derrick Henry's the, the X factor in this, depending on how well he plays. I think we'll make a barometer of how close this game can be. Uh, am I wrong in thinking that? Or, or where do you come at this as a Patriots fan? Jordy, um, you took the words right out of my mouth. I think the run game of Tennessee is the single reason why Tennessee has a legit chance. Um, their defense is obviously not bad as well. Um, yeah. You know, they, they, they hold their own and, and are able to – I think they'll be able the road, to compete. Yeah, yes and no. Um, you know, the Patriots have lost two, two, two games at home in the last three weeks. So, uh, you know, how good is their home field advantage right now? Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, it comes down to this. I mean, the, before the Miami game, the, the, the two games or three games Patriots lost, uh, they got ran all over by um, Houston and they got ran all over by the Ravens and they got ran all over by the Chiefs. So, um, you know, it's, it's again, three mobile quarterbacks. Tannehill is somewhat mobile. I guess the Patriots know him. That's the only advantage that they have on defense is that, um, not the only advantage, but a big advantage is that they, they have faced Tannehill a bunch, but again, that works in Tannehill's favor because he's seen their defense a bunch. Um, the Patriots players are saying it's a rematch from last year from when Tennessee put a whoop down on, on New England. Uh, again, that was in Tennessee, but a whole different ball game playoffs. Yeah, I think you're a thousand percent right with with Derrick Henry and the running game for Tennessee definitely being the single factor to how this game's going to swing. Yeah, and I, I feel like I mentioned AJ Brown, Corey Davis, Shino Smith. They're targets that Tannehill likes to throw to, but yeah, I mean, between Henry, if they want to, if they want to sprinkle in Deion Lewis, if Tannehill wants to try to move a little bit, he. You know, he, if he does spread out, he has a couple touchdowns there, almost like Brady of, of in the red zone, really close to the goal line. They'll just stick him the ball and have him just kind of barrel his way over the line. Um, oh, he can expect- move. He gets, he, he gets out in the perimeter. He moves. Don't don't sleep on his uh, his ability to run the ball. He he can he can move a little bit. Yeah, I guess I'm getting thrown off because he he started a little over half the season, so his numbers aren't as high as they would have been if he started all 16 games with Mariota playing. Uh, some of the first half, but yeah, I, ju- I just think depending on what we see out of Henry, which don't get me wrong. It's not like if, if they key in only in on him that, that, and the Patriots stifle him, that it's, you know, this game's completely over. I think that AJ Brown could, could do something serious, but I don't know. It feels like it's, it's really one-sided there comparatively to the other side where we've seen the Patriots get really creative in, in, especially in the playoffs in terms of play calling they have a number of different running backs and that stable. I know they haven't had as explosive of a year as, you know, years past. But Sonny Michelle was close to to a thousand yards. Rex Burkhead, James White, they're still hanging in there. Brady is and Brady's Brady. You know, the playoffs where he comes alive. So, I don't know. I don't. This could be something where, you know, we think that because the Patriots' offense struggled for a little bit, struggle I'm using very generously, um, that this could be close. But I feel like it could also be something where Tennessee's defense kind of comes out hot and then second quarter second half starts the tires start to fall off there i know they're they're very strong but if uh you know, the creative bones come out i don't know it could spell trouble for tennessee and the thing that scares me the most is 
this run that the Patriots have been on since 2001, they haven't really been the team that, yeah, they do trick plays, but they haven't really been the team that relies on those. They haven't been the team that, you know, makes dumb plays. They haven't been the team that has to do all these gimmicky things to get offense. But this year they've had to because they're not getting production from their receivers. They're not really getting production for out of the backfield. To me, it felt like they haven't really been running – you know, they haven't, like you mentioned, Michelle was shy of a thousand. They, they, there were a bunch of games where they just, they ran it really well in the first quarter and then stopped. And then there were games where James White did really well for like three drives and they stopped using him. And they put, you know, they, they switched, they went back and forth. It's almost like McDaniels, who is the next coaching prodigy out there, the hottest name out there for, for, to be hired. But it seems like he's outthinking himself, right? He's thinking, oh, we're running the ball really well. This time they're going to try and prevent us from running. So let me go to the pass. And for whatever reason, you know, the, the, the defense, the defense on the other side is still giving him the run, but he's not taking it because he's, he's almost too smart for his own good, if you will. Um, so for me, the offense this year, you know, they talk about, Oh, receivers aren't getting open. They're blah, blah, blah. No, to me, it's yes, that's a factor. But to me, it's, it's the fact that, the Patriots, whether they're saving themselves, whether they're like you said, they're they're trying to keep everything close to the to the ch- to the whatever until now, right? They're they're hiding all their big plays. They don't want to give out tendency tendencies until the playoffs. That's that's where I'm feeling right now. Is that to me, it seems like they're just playing. They to this point, once they got that huge, they started out unreal. They they lost the Ravens, and then they said, okay, we're going to sit on easy street. We're going to coast into the playoffs, and we're going to save all of our tendencies and plays, and we're just going to confuse everyone. And then come playoff time, we're going to flip a switch and go. And that, to me, is, is always frustrating, never works. Um, to continue a rant, and, and so people don't get tired of hearing my voice, but <laughs> the biggest thing for me, yeah, the biggest thing for me in the Patriots is, and I've said the biggest thing 17 times this this pod, so go ahead and delete those out, Jordy. Thank you. Um, the Patriots this year have not been, have not played with that that oomph, that that X factor, that that drive, that motivation. They haven't had that sort of thing. You know, all great championship teams have that thing, and the Patriots have had that thing. Even in years they didn't win the Super Bowl, they had that thing. They had whatever and this year it, it there seems to be a disconnect it just feels very dark and isolated inside that locker room for whatever reason and i don't know maybe it's time i don't know maybe maybe they again maybe they can flip a switch and maybe they're proving me wrong but i am nervous about this game i'm nervous about going on the road next week if the patriots win to kansas city to me i this, just focusing on this week alone, it's going to be a grind to beat Tennessee, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. I think it's probably going to be a close game. I'd take Tennessee plus five. Um, keep it close. I think the Patriots still pull it out. I think probably we see, you know, maybe a field goal difference here. But, yeah, I think it, it's it, – we've said this a million times, but it's Brady's until it's not, you know, at least to get – to move on through. But it's fair to say that, that there's definitely a nerve-wracking factor. I just think that there's more – there's more depth to where the the Patriots can go with their offense than where Tennessee can. And I feel like the def- the defenses almost wash each other out. And you got to give the edge defensively to the Patriots, but you got to give the edge offensively to the Titans. So 
right. like, you know, like you said, it almost, it almost blacks each other out. Jordy, let's move over to the NFC, the Sunday games. New Orleans Saints at home hosting Minnesota Vikings. What are the lines? What, are, what do we got? Yeah, so New Orleans is an eight-point favorite, over-under set at 49-and-a-half. Um, Minnesota has been ice cold coming into this game, uh, and I think that's going to continue. I think the Saints in the Dome, they did not end up getting the bye that they wanted after losing to uh, to the 49ers a couple weeks ago, a couple weird losses that they had uh, throughout the season, and I think that Breeze, Kamara, uh, Sean Payton, I feel like they're all itching to show that while some of them, Kamara, have had down years, they've had these weird losses, that they are still the team to be feared, especially in the in the Superdome. Um, I really don't like this Minnesota team. I've thought that a lot of their wins have been propped up on, on kind of either really good Kirk Cousins games or really good Stefan Diggs games. Uh, I think that the New Orleans defense is... Something not to be to be underestimated. I feel like at the dome they're way better. Uh, I just think that this thing is going the eight point line. While it's a playoff game, and you can say that's disrespectful, of Minnesota. Uh, I think that might might even be a little too short. I think this is the possibility of a double digit blowout. Yeah, Jordy, I I feel the same way. I think New Orleans gets it done. I think they have a similar thing with the Patriots, where uh, you know the offensive coach is almost like oh. Uh, too smart for his own good, trying too many things with all the different quarterbacks and Taysom Hill and everything they got. I think just keep, you know, keep it simple. Go with the guy who brought you. Let Breeze be Breeze. Let Thomas be Thomas. You know, let Kamara be Kamara and just do your thing offensively. I think their defense is good enough, and, and we all know how uh, Kirk Cousin does in, in big games. So Yeah, yeah and I, I don't mean Going just your, as simple as that, but. You know, it's Dalvin Cook. Maybe he has a good game, but I feel like he's going to get negated out by this New Orleans defense. They have a really good linebacking core that can both cover the run really well as well as cover the flats. So I feel like even though he caught over over 500 yards worth of uh, worth of footballs out there, I, I just think that he gets negated out. Kirk Cousins doesn't step up in the in the big game. Um, yeah, and Latavius Murray, even if, if Kamara's not getting it going, he can certainly do it. He's been on good teams. He's been able to do that before. And, yeah, I just – I don't know. I, I just I, – I don't want to make it sound as simple as that. I know that there's a little more depth to it with Amir Abdullah and on the Vikings, and they have you know a number of different guys that can that can probably help out. They Kyle Rudolph, Smith, their tight end core has been, been pretty good. They've caught a number of different touchdowns, but – I, I just don't don't see it happening here in New Orleans. Uh, yeah, same. I don't either. Yeah, I think Zimmer another another loss. I think they get rid of. Well, I don't know if they get rid of Cousins, but I hope they do. Um. Oh, I, quick note: going back to the Patriots, there has been zero evidence and no indication at this point that Belichick and his staff had been tied to the videotaping controversy. Uh, official statement from the NFL. So it looks like they're in the clear. I anyway, did see that. Final game. <laughs> had to slip that in. Final game of the weekend, Jordy. Uh, Seattle Seahawks come all the way east to face the Philadelphia Eagles, the only home team that is a dog, that is a underdog, the only mm-hmm. home team in, in wildcard weekend that is the underdog. Uh, one and a half spread, right, Jordy? Yeah, I got one and a half spread over under set at 45. 
Uh, Seahawks came into Philly about a month and a half ago and really laid the smackdown on a on a banged up Eagles team, a defense that had, that had not been playing well at the time, uh, and the defense got a little healthier. I think that helps the Eagles here. Um, you know, I, I think one thing that that as an Eagles fan I can be confident about is that they were able a couple weeks ago to negate out some really talented Cowboys wide receivers and, you know, pretty, you know, experienced tight ends. Um, so I think that's something to be, to be happy about, but obviously the way that they played back in November, the way that they've played throughout the season against talented receiving cores has some concern, whether it's Tyler Lockett, DJ Metcalf, Hollister, who came in after Will Disley got hurt. Uh, these guys are all pretty talented and, they could really run around and, and make that that specifically that cornerbacking core, um, which is still a little banged up. You know whether or not Ronald Darby plays, Avante Maddox, what he how he's going to do. He's the one. If you've watched different highlight packages of highlight touchdowns against the Eagles, it's usually number twenty nine, Avante Maddox, covering and missing a tackle here or there. So see how they're playing. Jalen Mills, I think is 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 he's told. Different beat writers for the Eagles that he that he expects to play. I think he's been on injury reports, so we'll see what ends up happening with him. Um, but that, I think that's at least on def- the defensive side of the ball. That's where it starts uh, with that secondary and that the front four and the linebackers have looked better in the last couple weeks. Now they put they did play the Redskins, Cowboys, and Giants respectively. Uh, that Cowboys game they did play very well in uh, with a pretty good uh, offensive line there, but. You know, then you then you look on the other side on the offense, and you know it's the same notes that we've been hitting every week of who is Carson Wentz going to be throwing to. Zach Ertz wants to try to play. He says he does not feel the cut in his lacerated kidney. Um, a lot of people think he shouldn't play just for his own health purposes. Dallas Goddard stepped up pretty big against the Giants. Uh, the running back core, Miles Sanders expected not to play. Boston Scott did a good job in, in stepping up for him against the Giants. Had himself a pretty big week. Um, and they signed Evander Holyfield's son, Greg, to be another running back on this team. So we'll see how Jordan Howard, if he uh, how much healthier he is. And then between Greg Ward and the other wide receivers, how they end up playing is going to be, I think, a pretty big part of how this game will go because... It may not be the Legion of Boom anymore, but it's that Seattle defense is still pretty solid. And Holyfield had a good uh, had a good career at Georgia. Did he? That's the yeah, that's the running back. Yeah, yeah, he was at Georgia. He had a pretty good year. Uh, Yeah, yeah, he had a good year or a good career at Georgia. Um, I thought he was. I thought he was. Carolina. Yeah, he'd been on their practice squad yeah, all year, and the Eagles signed him off of their practice squad. Um. Anyway, that's awesome. So, so great breakdown, Jordy. Eagles, Seahawks. My big thing here: two factors. Pete Carroll coming east, Seattle coming east. Blah blah blah. Um. You got to give credit where credit's due. What the Eagles have done this year with all the injuries and and this and that, but um, with with Carson Wentz being a taller version of Russell Westbrook, them virtually being the same quarterback, being able to create more time in the pocket with their legs and, and really not necessarily run first quarterbacks, but they definitely 
maneuver around, sort of like Brett Favre, maneuver around to create time for receivers to get open downfield. Um, and though that those two styles is going to be a fun game to watch. So jealous you get to go to it. Uh, however, at the end, end of the day, I think Seattle's defense is too much to uh, for the Eagles to handle, and I think Seattle gets the job done. Um, and Marshawn Lynch, <laughs> just kidding. But Marshawn Lynch runs all over the Eagles, but no, that's not a thing. Marshawn Lynch uh, will just get the ball here and there. But I think uh, Seattle ultimately, with Russell Wilson's uh, adaptability and his ability to don't sleep in the Eagles defense, but with Russell Wilson's ability to move around the pocket, I think uh, it's going to be a long day for the Eagles defense and hopefully the offense. The only way the Eagles win this game, in my opinion, is if they hold the ball on offense, have long, long drives, and uh, get in the red zone and convert touchdowns as opposed to field goals. And yeah, in my opinion, keep yeah, keep Seattle's offense off the field as much as you can. They don't need quick strikes. They need slow, grinded-out type of uh, things. So I guess that's why they keep signing running backs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess the one thing, too, is is how Doug's play calling comes into into effect. Doug Peterson, the, the head coach, of how much will he call different, you know, run, the run-pass mix. Uh, that was one thing against the Dolphins that ended up really biting the Eagles in the ass is that he barely called the run uh, and really almost fell into what the Falcons did against the Patriots in the 28-3 game of, just not letting the clock run out and not really eating it up. So I think that's if, – if the Eagles do get some sort of lead, that's going to be a big part of it too, of, of how do they maintain it and how do they convert, how do they to, how do they figure it out. Aggressive Aggressiveness isn't going to be a factor because Doug, Doug Peterson's one of the more aggressive guys out there. But, yeah, it's going to be – it'll be – it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited, but I'm cautiously uh, cautiously optimistic and, and very worried at the same time. And this is a chance for Carson to actually go out and win a big game for his team. Um, has he won a playoff game? No, right? No, he's never played in one. Right. So, yeah, he and in at at North Dakota, he always got hurt every time it came for the playoffs. So he never won one of those either. So, um, well, be interesting uh, to see what kind of quarterback. What kind of? I'm pretty sure he was he was not hurt for or for at least one of the the national championships. But yeah, that's the whole thing. Nick Folds, Nick Folds, Nick Folds had to win uh, just because that's that's what happened to North Dakota State as well. Is that he got hurt? I know it's definitely his senior year. I'm pretty sure his junior year as well. He got hurt leading into the championship game. And Carson uh, Wentz's two years junior in a row. year, he led North Dakota State to a 15 and one record on January 10th, 2015. He started in his first national championship game against Illinois State and passed for. 287 yards and a touchdown and rushed for 87 yards and scored a touchdown on a five-yard run to give North Dakota the lead. With 37 seconds left, they won their fourth consecutive FCS championship, 29-17. He started all 16 games in 2014. Uh, So he did start there, and then in, in his senior year, he... Let's read here. He did He did have a broken wrist, but it looks like he missed the next eight games of the season... He returned to practice in the beginning of December and was cleared to play in the national championship and led the Bison to their fifth straight FCS title, running for two touchdowns and throwing for a third. So he has played in in playoff situations before, including two championships. You know, Jordy, nothing gets me more excited than 
having you have to look things up and and to defend your quarterback. He is my quarterback. I said it on the solo pod. The, the, the Carson Wentz shitheads out there, because there have been some here in Philadelphia that are like, oh, he's not our guy. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you. Look what he did against Dallas. My boy. Against a shitty team, a shitty team that's trying to get their coach fired. Who's a shitty team trying to get their coach fired? The losers? Dallas. Oh, yeah, Dallas. Dallas. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. Fucking hate the Cowboys. They, they they want nothing to do with Garrett, so all the players decided we're going to throw the last games of the season. I don't know. Nothing would make me happier There's, than if, that if Dallas, Dallas does pay Dak. They give him his $40 million that he wants. They keep chasing Garrett. They spend all their money there. That Nothing would make me happier than Jerry Jones not being able to admit that he fucked up as the GM, and he just gives them all their money. Oh. I was gonna say you want you want them to uh, keep Garrett. Oh if yeah. I'm any if I'm from a Giants fan, if I'm an Eagles fan, if I'm you're a Redskins fan. Anything. The Redskins just hired Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio. That's a that's a yeah. tandem there. Yes, that's a tandem for yeah. sure. Um, it'd be interesting to see what happens with them. If the Dallas job is open, there's rumors that uh, McDaniel's is going to go there. Oh, you think so? A lot of people are worried I don't, that either Lincoln I don't Riley or Matt Rule get, but... get snagged from college to go coach the Cowboys. A lot of people in Philly don't want Matt Rule because he used to be the te- the coach of Temple, which is uh, Philly's only college football team. Oh, God. Oh, God. Hey, he did a lot. Of, he's done a lot joke. of Baylor in three years. The Baylor was good with RG3. Yeah, and then they had all the, the, the legal shit with... Uh, you know, all the fucked up stuff that the previous coach was doing. And Matt Rule had to take over for a, skel- a skeleton program. All right, well, that's a good rumor. I like that uh, Texas guy stays in Texas. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, you're right. I think you have to root if I'm an Eagles or, or whatever fan. I have to root for Jason Garrett to remain as the coach. Yeah, 1,000%. The fact that Jerry Jones, the fact that Jerry Jones met with him twice means that they're talking – Maybe the f- day one they're talking about their job. Day two and three they're talking about Dak. They're talking about the team. They're talking about personnel. That's what I think is going on. I don't think they're firing him at all. I just think it's utterly ridiculous that, like, just sign them in. You know, I guess his contract has expires under this, like you said, waste all their money. Enough about the Cowboys. They're irrelevant. Jordy, great week uh, Week one playoffs. Any surprises you think are going to happen? Any upsets? Um, I know you gave an uh, – and then analytical picks, but give me, give me a gut. And you got any gut picks? My gut kind of tells me the bills are going to win. That's like the nice. one that sticks out to me is I think maybe the bills figure this thing out. Texans pull Texans. And we see Josh Allen get, get not, not physically carried off, but we see it, the, you know, the metaphorical, he has his coming out party, you know? Yeah. My gut is two things. One, I could very easily see Tennessee winning. And two, I could very I could see the Eagles pulling out a win over Seattle. I don't make a pick on my own see, team, so I don't want to comment, but I'm hoping. I could see I could see the Seattle Seahawks coming east and not performing and having just one of those dud games that they're that they have. The one thing that's giving me hope is that ESPN all day 
and NBC was doing this too while I was watching the Winter Classic, has pointed out that Pete Carroll is 5-0 and against the Eagles since taking over the team 10 years ago. Um, so you're saying that there's even more of a reason that they're due, the Eagles are due. Yeah, th- that the networks are announcers cursing Pete Carroll and the Seahawks. That's what I'm thinking, as a fan. Uh, and I have the same thing with the Patriots. You know, everyone's like, oh, this is exactly where the Patriots won. Everyone's doubting them. Everyone's doubting them, blah, blah, blah. This is exactly where the Patriots want. You know, they said the same thing leading into all these other games. And guess what? The Patriots lost. So, to me, I, I'm i with you. I think, you know, all this narrative. Oh, the Patriots turned on the playoffs. Oh, blah, blah, blah. That's where I'm – that's why I think this is a real shot for Tennessee, especially, um, you know, Rabel, who played for Billy B and knows how the Patriots roll. I think this is – a trap game of sorts and, and same, yeah, you could argue the same with the Eagles. The, the, the Seahawks are pissed that they didn't get the one seed or two seed like they're supposed to, or whatever happened on, in week 16 and 17. They're pissed that they got snubbed out of that. And then now they have to travel East and play the Philadelphia Eagles on the road to a team that is what nine and seven barely made the playoffs. Yes. I think they're, I think, I think they're overlooking the Eagles. I think this is a chance for, you know, the Eagles to really uh, – the season where they've had so many injuries and the season where even now they're injured and, and they're still competing hard, that shows how good of a coaching job they've done. Um, I think the boys are playing with some confidence right now, especially yeah. the way they ended the season. Well, especially because now there's the narrative, Greg. I'm sure you haven't seen this because I didn't send it to you. But Disney on Ice got canceled at the Wells Fargo Center on Sunday – and now the Disney moms are really pissed at the Eagles. So now not, it's not just Philly versus everybody. It's Philly versus the Disney moms. So we got some. We got the other fire uh, got, under, our, under our stomachs. It got canceled because of the game? Yeah, it was supposed to be at the Wells Fargo Center Sunday afternoon, and it got canceled because of the game. I want to hear something funny? It was just in Boston. Really? Yes. So I That's guess awesome. it went from Boston to Philly. Just, just bypassed uh, New York. Yeah. Well, it always comes to Philly either right, right, right after Christmas, like in that middle week, or right now. Normally, it's right between Christmas and New Year's because, like, the Flyers will usually have a game on January second, or the Sixers will have a game right then. And but no, uh, the Sixers don't come home until next week, and the Flyers' first home game of the New Year is a week from tonight. They in Boston they use BU's hockey rink. They don't even oh, use the Garden. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we uh we we don't yeah. have the luxury of having college hockey here in uh Philadelphia. I was about to say in Pennsylvania, but we, Penn State has become quite the uh the Division One program. So we do have that. Astority. Let's get to some bowl games today. Did you happen to see Michigan embarrass themselves today? Yeah, I was your flipping, Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, I was flipping your between Michigan that. Wolverines. Flipping between that and the Winter Classic, and it was not good. Alabama, you know they uh they know how to turn it on, man. They're uh. Without Tua, they're still a solid or, team. You said it, Greg. I got to give you credit. You said way back when we were debating who was going to get into the playoffs or not. You were like, I don't care if Tua's not there. Throw in Alabama. They're still a solid team. So, Greg, great job, my friend. Thank you, Jordy. Um, but that quote made it seem like I was wrong. What What's making it seem like you're wrong? Quote you said was that made it seem like I was wrong. 
in that I said Alabama wasn't that I said Alabama was still going to make the playoffs without Tua. No, no, you were say, you wanted you were saying that I that if if there was uh, yeah, like if there was chaos and whatnot of this is before Alabama lost to Auburn way back when if Alabama had gotcha. beaten Auburn. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So Michigan, your Michigan Wolverines. I mean, Harbaugh is he gone? Nothing. It would be nothing would give me if, more if pleasure. Michigan fired Har- Harbaugh because he's the he knows how, he he's been there long enough now that he's really put his roots into the program. He's a really good. He's good enough at recruiting. I don't know what it is within. He's terrible in bowl games. I think he's only won one or two bowl games, and and I think he's lost four straight now. But something needs to be figured out. At least I don't know if it's on his coordinator side. I don't know if it's that he just needs to snag some big quarterback prospect. I know Shea Patterson was supposed to be the guy after he transferred from from Ole Miss. Um, Yeah, I I don't know where it is offensively that you need to figure it out. They never really had a huge running game this year. uh, comparatively to, to years past where where they had, you know, run first and the passing game was always lacking. Uh, I know they've, they've done a lot of RPOs and all that sort of stuff, but, yeah, I, you, know, you know, Matt would be better to, to address all this stuff because he's a much bigger Michigan fan than I am. Um, but, yeah, not not a good showing. Um, and, yeah, they, the other poll game that was going on, the Auburn and uh, Minnesota. Minnesota game. My Minnesota Gophers. My Minnesota Gophers. Yeah. Making a statement for the Big calling, Ten, Mr. Greg. I was I was calling for Minnesota to get in the playoffs. You were. Months ago. Years ago. You were. And they pulled it out. When Auburn Eight. all of a sudden starts turning on the SEC speed and has just taken over, and they had they had leads here and there, Minnesota really did a great job of pulling that thing out in the uh, – and the Outback Bowl, the one that always strangely is is that kind of other bowl that hangs out on New Year's Day. Scary part is that their quarterback is a sophomore, so he's coming back next year. Yeah, they're losing for Minnesota. This is yeah, they're losing some of their receivers, but some big receivers for them. But to have a quarterback returning after an eleven win season, that's huge. Is no small feat. No, not no small feat yeah. at all. So uh, watch out for this Minnesota and this. The only thing that bothers me is, you know, if I'm if I'm the coach there, right? I brought this whole row the boat thing to Western Michigan, and I understand that that is his brand. But that's Western Michigan. That should you know, it should stay with Western Michigan. He should have a different brand with Minnesota. Because let's fair. say he leaves, let's say he leaves for a different program in a year and a half or or whatever. Maybe he doesn't. But let's say he leaves for another program. Is that program going to be row the boat now? Is that is that fan base going to now be all in on on let's row our boats? Like that's the only thing that frustrates me is not frustrates, but that's the only part that I get a little confused because uh, wouldn't you as a player be like, yo, you just did with Western Michigan. This isn't our brand. This is Western Michigan. This isn't us. Yeah, that's fair. That's a fair uh, fair argument. If you're a guy that that has come out, if you're Corey Davis who went to Western Michigan. Wonder you're wondering, you know, this was my thing. If you know, say the say the Titans pick up somebody from this Minnesota team in the draft or in a couple of years and all that, maybe they just connect and they both know PJ Fleck and they're like, yo, let's text coach or something like that. I don't know. That's a fair point of of keeping the identity. Maybe now that he's at a Big Five program, maybe it does. Uh, it stays there if he gets 
dragged away somewhere but else. Like, you know, who knows? That's a really good. But point. even, yeah, I mean, think about it. Like, like you're Corey Davis, and and here's the coach saying you guys are family, and you're this and that, and, and guess what? He just took your family motto and a family crest and gave it to someone else. It's fair. What would you want the identity to be if he had left, row the boat across Lake Michigan at Western Michigan? Could have been anything, any any metaphor, uh, any tool that keeps something. I'm, moving. I'm asking you though, what would if you were PJ Fleck and you went to Minnesota? What would you have created as Minnesota? Dig that hole because they're gophers. Uh, nice, nice. Um, freeze that pond. Ooh. Um, wear that winter hat. Uh, <laughs> so probably, that like, row the boat like flip that, your hair. Row the boat like move something. Play hockey. You know, mow the mow the Play boat, hockey. move something. So you need like <laughs> turn the key on, or you know, like some bullshit. Yeah. Just <laughs> leave the paddle. Leave the paddle and row the boat. Like that was the whole thing about Western Michigan. Yeah. Ah. Uh. Love it. Love that's. It. I mean, he said he said his post game thing. He wants Minnesota to be become a blue blood program, and they have to be blue blue blood blue blooded programs to become that. And beating Auburn today was a, was a step in that process, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, Good for it, him. It I'm just saying. Does. If, he, it, if he if he if he leaves Minnesota and and because who knows maybe maybe Western Michigan because he left Western Michigan what two years ago maybe Western Michigan is still selling row the boat bullshit you know maybe yeah. they're still selling that I don't know that's it's a good question now, now he now now he leaves Minnesota for let's say Michigan for say he goes to Michigan now Michigan's be rowing the boat Minnesota's rowing the boat Western Michigan's rowing the boat what are we, what are we doing here we're just all rowing boats it becomes the it becomes the uh... The yacht, or... the yacht ten instead of the big ten. I don't know. That was a terrible joke. No, that was tough. But we're off the rails. That's my fault. No, no, it's um... all right. Wisconsin though, up ten to seven right now in the Rose Bowl. So that could be. I yeah, mean, both teams. If they both win, that's both, big for the Big these... Ten. Both Oregon and Wisconsin to me were always uh, overhyped because of the big names, right? Because of. Hebert and and or Hubert or whatever the quarterback right. for Oregon and the running back for Wisconsin, yeah they they were they were in their position because of them. Um, yeah, they're solid teams, but their resumes certainly did not warrant them where they were. Yeah, that's fair. In my opinion, I mean, the, but you you have to give them credit that they lived to the criteria to make the Rose Bowl. Oregon won won the Pac-12 and. Wisconsin was the runner-up in the Big Ten, and the champion went to the playoff. That's the, uh, you know, the criterion to make the Rose Bowl when it's not a playoff game. Yeah, Oregon won a shitty Pac-10, and Wisconsin made it because row the boat uh, had a couple holes in the in the boat against some shitbag team, and because the they Big lost 10. to Wisconsin, that's why. Yeah, but but it was it was before that. It was the week before that when they lost. The week before, right after they beat, uh, yeah, they, right beat they beat Penn State, State at home. Yeah, yeah they Was beat Penn State at home Iowa? and they lost to who? Are, yeah, some uh, maybe yeah, they lost to Iowa. Iowa State. Iowa's a good team. Well, let's not and get it was on the away. road. Iowa's a tough place to win. Was it on the road? Yeah, it was. It was on the road. Anyway, um, let's get back onto it, Jordy. Are we switching to hockey or what? Yeah, we might as well. And in talking all this Minnesota stuff, uh, it's a pretty good transition because. 
during the Winter Classic today, they announced that the 2021 Winter Classic will be at Target Field, hosted by the Minnesota Wild. So we can talk about they that went first with Target, and then jump into the game with Target Field today. and not uh... I wonder why they went with Target Field and not the Minnesota Gopher Football Stadium. Well, they I looked that up because I was trying to figure out who they who theorized who they were going to play. They've used Minnesota's field for a stadium series game, and they are yet to repeat. Um, state they you're yet to repeat games aside from in the same year, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, interesting. Okay. So, yeah, that's awesome. I'm, uh, it's exact polar opposite from this year in Dallas to Minnesota. I mean, one of the warmer places to one of the colder places um, that we're going to get. I'm excited. Too bad Minnesota Wilds are not great. Hopefully they figure something out before next year. Um, with that said, Jordy, this year's game, I loved everything about it. I uh, The only thing, I mean, uh, Nashville's jerseys reminded me a little bit too much of Michigan's college jerseys. Okay. Um, with the color scheme and the way it was laid out. I love the little predator they had though. I love the Dallas uniforms with the exception of those khaki colored pants. Yeah, that was the my shells they too. wore. I love the green, but I hated yeah. the, the weird khaki yeah. uh khaki pants Shell. Short things. Emily came down and said yeah. they look like they're playing golf. Yeah, it just it just didn't it didn't make sense. I understand that it used to be their color back in the day, but then make the green the color when they won the cup as well. You know, if you're going to turn into a, turn into a full, um, it was just supposed to be a 1999 nod that color. I don't know. Cause they kept bringing out the 99 team all day. They yeah. kept bringing out different guys. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I would like to see some sort watching. of North stars type of nod, you know, like, cause that the North stars have like yellow in that scheme. Right, and that's what the green, I think the green matched that, but then yeah. they went with the, yeah, they're all over the map. They went with the North Star green and then the khaki from the Stanley Cup team. It just didn't make sense to me. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, that game was pretty was a lot of fun. It starts off with a dangerous hit from Corey Perry. He ends up getting tossed. Um, I don't think there was any sort of malintent by the, by the elbow, but he does catch Ryan Ellis in the head with his elbow. His hand was off his stick. I think he was trying to let, line him up for a hit, and Ellis just moved forward a little bit. Um, and I, yeah, but he, his elbow does catch him. Gets thrown out. Nashville goes on a five goes on a five minute power play. Gets a five on three goal, and then they score another goal as the the five minute power play is expiring. But other than that, I mean, this, the rest of the first period was a little back and forth. But second period on, Dallas really took over, and it finally. Uh, Finally manifested in three goals without Nashville taking a shot between the end of the second and the third. Uh, Greg, what did you see throughout this game? Jordy, great leading question. Um, I think you're exactly right. We had one or maybe two five-on-five goals the whole game. Uh, a lot of special teams stepping up. We had a breakaway. Um, we had a, a, uh, sorry, a, a penalty, sh- yeah, penalty shot awarded, which was cool. Um, I think Rocco Grimaldi, the the U.S. the kid from USA who was on mm-hmm. Nashville, is is awesome. I love the way he plays and exciting for Team USA if they allow NHLers back in the Olympics. Hopefully, he's one of the guys. If not, he'll be you know he'll at least be in practice. Blah blah blah. Um, I would uh, Nashville to me is is underperforming big time this year and Hugely. and. Maybe they needed PK to stay, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is. But uh, to have 42 points and, and 
the leader be at the leading of the Blues in their division at 58 is is uh, not great for them. The good thing about the West is virtually every team um, in the Central Division, at least, is still in it. Um, and then Corey Perry, speaking of Dallas, sorry, switching transition. You mentioned Corey Perry. You're good. I uh, I didn't like him when he was on Anaheim, so. To see him do a scumbag move like this and get thrown out, I'm not gonna say it made me happy because I never root for someone to get injured, but it it, uh, it I wasn't I wasn't sad to see him go. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, they even they talked about it a little bit on the NBC broadcast that the Ellis getting hurt affected it a lot more than Perry leaving uh, the the Dallas Stars. I mean, of guys that have been better known for being on other teams for a long period of time, I would think Perry. Compared to like Pavelski coming over, or I mean, Sagan's been there for a while, but Sagan obviously they talk about a lot of him winning the Cup of the Bruins. But different guys, you know, more recently between him and, and Pavelski, Perry, I think has just been more of that bottom six guy that's done. You know, he's been able to produce a little bit for him, but you know, I don't think it affected it nearly as much as as Ellis being missing from the back line. Is he still their leading scorer? Because I mean that that's one thing with Nashville that they Again, yeah. Interestingly enough, they're, they still got a they still have a positive goal differential, and this is almost like what we used to see when Nashville back when it was still one to eight. Nashville would make it in as the seven or the eight seed. They don't score a ton. They also don't let in a ton of goals. Um, I mean, this year they're I should amend my statement that they're scoring a decent amount, but they're just letting up a ton. And you saw it today where Renee's not really getting a lot of support around it. He's getting kind of tied up in different places. A lot of it was special teams, but I don't know. It's just they've been ice cold for, I don't know, the last basically all of December, and now they, they fall to that sixth spot in the division. And, you know, they're five points out of a – no, four points out of a playoff spot right now, so they're certainly not anywhere out of contention, but they really got to get it going. And, and you thought maybe getting a, a quick start in this might have been something for them, but after they came back out for that second period, they really uh, – Really couldn't get it going. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and um, Dallas has just fired their coach recently. They are playing, you know, after last year being called out. They they really rely on one line and and their defense, and they've proven to be a uh, you know sort of feel out the game in the first period and then turn it on at the end of the game type of team. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being with. No, no more proof than Tyler. I didn't even know Tyler Sagan was playing until the third period when he got a couple breakaways and was actually his name was actually being mentioned. So, um, you know, they just turn it on when they need to at the end of a game, and and that's the way they play. So, it's working for them right now. They're currently in a playoff spot. Um, if yeah, currently in a playoff spot. So yeah, they're tied with Colorado um, for points, which is, I mean, that's considering how hot St. Louis has been. I think Colorado still probably. I mean, they're actually Colorado's eight eight points back of there. So it, it, that could be a, that could turn into a serious battle for, you know, what, what, uh, you know, your division used to be with the Atlantic of that. They could be by season's end. One, be. two, and three in the West. And it still is. The, the, the Atlantic is still that way. How dare you? Jacques Hughes. Whoa, whoa, ho, 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 ho. The metropolitan division for one, the flyers now up until last night when they shat the bed against the fucking Los Angeles Kings would have been in first place in the Pacific Division. So Jacques back at you because they're tied with the Toronto Maple Leafs for second in, in your in your division. So 
pump the brakes there, Turbo. But Flyers would not have been fir- the, the Flyers were in first place in what division? The they Pacific, which is the West. Up until a couple days ago, they had more That's points the than West. the Vegas Why are you talking Knights? about the West? Why are you talking about the West? If yeah, you're talking about the East, talk they, about the East. They had more points. If you're talking about the East, talk about the East. They had more points up until a couple of days ago than the Toronto, uh, I almost called them the Toronto Blue Jays, than the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, Jacques right at you. And they're the fifth place team in their division right now. And they're separated now four points between them and the Islanders. That division. You're basically trying. You're basically trying to say that, that the Atlantic is no longer as dominant as it was, and you're saying the Central is more dominant than the Atlantic. When No, what I was saying this, is, the, is the that Bruins, in the past, the the your biggest complaint in the past has been that Tampa, Toronto, and Boston have been would have been 1, 2, and 3 in the East back you know when it still had that if oh. division winners didn't get 1, 2, and 3. Or if 1 through 16 was, was, would have been like good. 1, 3, and 5. And that's back what I'm in the, saying you act is, like back. Back in the day, you, it was last year and the year it was the last two seasons, three seasons, yeah. three years in a row. You like you act like it so, was forever ago. We're talking about finish, we're talking about finish, three years in a row. In to finish we're my about point, three years in a row. You're talking about to finish my point. Oh my finish god! My point. Uh, what I'm saying is, is that up. aside from aside from the Bruins and the Capitals, the Blues, Avalanche, and Stars could end up as that type of division of those three teams end up getting so many more points. I know that the the Stars are only now three points ahead of the Jets, but I feel like that the Stars are really starting to catch catch fire after the slow start they had. Colorado's been on a bit of a skid in the last couple weeks, and the Blues have been white hot up until losing last night. So I think I think it is something where if they once they presumably all, you know, get a little healthier, Dallas continues to be hot. St. Louis continues to do what they're doing. Bennington, Jake Allen play as well as they have been. They could have so many points that they are in that position that the Bruins, Lightning, and Maple Leafs have been in the past. That's all I was saying about it. It's been three of the last through all three the last three seasons. Okay, and it's going to happen again this year in the East because Washington's not going to maintain the Islanders. I don't know how they're this many points. The Penguins uh, are a scary that's... team. That's I think the I think the one thing about the Metropolitan, as much as I was just pumping the division's tires, the the Capitals aren't getting touched for the division lead. They're gonna they might not stay stay close to the Bruins for top division winner in the Eastern Conference, but the the Islanders are gonna slip up. The Penguins probably aren't gonna stay as hot as they are. At least if I don't think Tristan uh, Jari will stay that hot. But Sidney Crosby coming back soon, I think in the next couple of weeks, that's gonna help. So they'll probably take the two. But Carolina, I feel like either they're gonna either they're gonna get really hot or they're gonna slip up. The Flyers have been inconsistent, so I think I think Washington has the division. They're six points up right now. I feel like that's just only gonna widen. I don't disagree. I, I'm just baffled and confused as to anyway. Sorry, Jordy. The the podcast listeners were here to break things down um, for like the second half argue. of the year since they like when since. We argue. Since Matt and I agree too much, the, and I argue. <laughs> <laughs> Since the technical halfway point uh, is tomorrow for many teams, if not all the teams. So when they uh, were saying that all the time today on the Winter Classic, do they just mean whatever game they kept talking about as the halfway point? Is that just like of the oh because number it's of an games? eighty-two games? Right, it's an eighty-two game season, and most most of the teams. Play their forty-first game, most the, right? Most of the teams. There are a couple teams like uh, yeah, like Tampa a lot of and, and the Islanders teams. have only played thirty-eight games. So are they saying like 
There are it's eighty two times thirty one divided by two. Is that how many? Must also be calendar year. It must. It must also be calendar year because it must be the playoffs have to start at a certain date, which has already been predetermined, right? Yeah. So I was I couldn't Um, figure out if they were just saying because some teams are playing their forty first game or if like of the total regular season games, the midpoint of that number, whatever thousand number that is. Is that's tomorrow? I couldn't figure. That's what I was. That's what I was trying to figure out. Well, second half preview, Jordy. Let's start in the West since the two game. The games today was the game today was West. Um, great job by Dallas putting on uh, as a, a whole the city. Yeah, the still the city, all that stuff. Uh, I thought it was funny when the stars were coming out. The little horse they had, uh, the police horse they had standing there, started attacking some of the players. That was pretty funny, but. Yeah. Um, all in all, good show from them. Jordy, St. Louis, you mentioned. You already talked about them. Colorado, we've talked about them last time um, with just how good and young they are and how good they're going to be. Um, Dallas, that that like you're talking about the Central Division, the bottom team, the Chicago Blackhawks have 42 points, which currently, if they can beat some of the teams in their division, would be a playoff spot. Yep. Um, you know, so, because the Pacific is so not great um, points wise, so that 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 Central Division, Minnesota, Nashville, Chicago, the bottom teams there, Winnipeg, you figure they're gonna they're gonna make a run here and, and only get better. Um, that Central Division is such a such a force, and I think this the Western Conference champion comes out of there. Um, not to be outdone is Vegas again. It's just. Holding their own, 50, a quiet fifty points, if you will, and and kind of like the year that they two years ago, three years ago. I mean, ever since they came in the league, they've been really good. So, I'd be interested to see Jordy when Seattle comes in. Uh, I know this has nothing to do with with this year, but when Seattle comes into the league, I'd be curious to see um, sort of how good they're going to be. Because if Vegas had this good of a team with the expansion draft, I wonder what the expansion draft for Seattle is going to look like. Well, they said they aren't going to change the rules for it, right? It's going to be the same. That's huge. That's, yeah. that's unreal for them. Uh, different, 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 different questions for a different pod for a different day. Uh, I do have a question though. Is Seattle planning on joining the central? Because no, that doesn't so really make So sense. what's happening is that they're joining the Pacific and Arizona is moving to the central. Coyotes? Yeah, yeah, the the Coyotes are moving. What? Yeah, a lot of people. There's un, really until the until the new owner bought the team because they've had all that ownership issues for the last ten years. A lot of people thought that it was going to be some sort of way that the NHL was going to have them move to Houston and and finally get into that market. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, it's too bad they're good now, but yeah, right. Um. Maybe I mean I figured one of the Canadian teams because they're I mean except for Vancouver, uh, Calgary and Edmonton are kind of close enough to the central. Yeah, kind of, I, I think they don't want to separate them though. They want to keep that that Alberta rivalry going. Three, well, you have three teams in the fucking three Canadian teams in one division. Yeah. Anyway, um, all right, Jordy. Second half preview, central division. You're having St. Louis one. Who's who's coming in second? Yeah, I 
I think Colorado. Who are the does. guaranteed spots? Who, yeah, who are the guaranteed spots? Second and third. Who or second? I think place. the, the yeah, three that's guaranteed? here now is. I mean, it's you mentioned Winnipeg. It's tough to think that they aren't going to be closer up to towards the top of the division, especially if you look at their record. They haven't been scoring a ton of goals. They're 125, which is way behind the offensive juggernaut that is Colorado. Uh, it's behind Nashville, even in goals. It's behind Vegas, it's behind Vancouver, which has, has a sneakily good offense. Um, you would expect that number to go up with the goal scoring potential they have. But the other thing that sticks out to me is their home record, which has be- normally been one of their strongest points. At currently, they're ten eight and two, which is ten and ten, five hundred at home. Uh, you would think that's going to go up in the second half of the season uh, as they play just about half of their home games. You'd think that that advantage is going to you know kick in somewhere. Um, I mean, if, if they get Bufflin back, I think Winnipeg becomes a completely different team, and I yeah, think they, that's a really good point. they, you know, it comes down to the injury and the whole, the whole whatever that deal whole they got going on yeah. with him. Yeah, who knows? I don't know enough about it to even begin to yeah, summarize it for those who don't know. But I mean, there's some contract dispute. The there's some. Kill. That's a really good point. And he's a great defender. Yeah. Well, there's some contract dispute, and there's some sort of like he. The team said he didn't need surgery, and he said he did, yeah, so he went and got weird. surgery, and the and the team's trying not to pay him because they told him he didn't need it or yeah. something weird along those lines. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I I anticipate Winnipeg. I don't know. They're... Well, like Connor Hellebuck's playing really well, right? He has a goal GAA of 2.6. He's a save percentage of 92%. Like, it's just the offense kind of underperforming. <laughs> It's a scary thing when you, you know, you for Dallas to me, it's a scary thing when you fire your coach and that's fair. Now you're asking you're asking your team to have a have a interim coach for the rest of the season and this early on and make the playoffs. Like that's that's a scary thing to, to have to do for a whole season. And granted, the the guy they have there now is is a seasoned vet, so a little different. But still, that that idea to me is is interesting. Yeah. Um, the next thing, Jordy Pacific. Vegas is one, Arizona is two, Vancouver three, Edmonton four, Calgary five, King six, Ducks seven, Sharks eight. Uh, I for the Central. Sorry to close it out. I have Winnipeg jumping Dallas. You have Dallas staying the same. Jordy, who are the top three in the Pacific? Do you want me to start since you started the other one? Yeah, you might as well start. Um, I think Vegas stays. I've been a huge fan of Vegas ever since they've come into the league. Um, I think Vegas stays as the number one there. My heart wants to stick with Arizona as the number two, just because um, I really like Clayton Keller, the kid from BU. Uh, I've had, liked him for a while, and they do have some great goaltending. One of the Vancouver, I think, too, in the NHL. Sorry for interrupting you. Yeah. Just thinking about it. No, please. With Keller, Bezer, Pedersen, because you're going to jump to yeah. Vancouver in a second. Yeah, they're and Edmonton right. still is pretty young. I agree. Now, the dark horse team for me, I think, is Calgary. I think Calgary, based on the season they had last year, they had a little slow start this year. I think Calgary turns it on. They jump things up. Kachuk gets grow- rolling. Gaudreau gets rolling. They make a trade. They move They they move up in the standings, and they position themselves uh, in the top two or three of that division and make the playoffs. I think it's going to come down to Arizona – and Vancouver and Edmonton, three teams for the final spot. But I think Calgary and Vegas are the top two. I think Vancouver, Arizona, Edmonton, 
battle it out for the final spot. Yeah, I think uh, I think Vegas takes it. I like Vancouver at two. And I like Calgary three. I think Vancouver's just been really. They've been fun. Maybe I'm just uh, I have that 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 rose tinted glasses towards this really young team. I mentioned Bezer. I mentioned yeah. Pedersen. Quinn Hughes has had a really good year. Um, they're a really good home team, and they're they can score at will. Their defense has been. You know, not the best in the NHL, but it's still pretty good. They're just not a really good road team, which is which is concerning, um, which is kind of the opposite with Arizona and, and why I think they drop a little bit. You mentioned just the the whole you know too bad they're good now on on their whole home home ice thing. They're under five hundred at home and they're thirteen six and three on the road, which is just an unreal clip for a team. But granted, has really good goaltending and really good goalies and a pretty solid back end, especially in the top two. With Oliver Eklund and Larson and a couple other guys they have out there, but I don't know. I just feel like they'll they'll have that water finds its level moment of staying around five hundred and like you mentioned, probably battling it out for possibly that third seed with with Calgary. I just think between you mentioned it a little bit with the Blackhawks, if they want to make some sort of run, that how good the Central is and those teams, if they if they want to make any sort of run and and probably will. That it's just such a logjam there that Calgary has to really get some stuff going, and I don't know. I think Edmonton they have McDavid, they have Drysital, they have James Neal when he can get it going. He obviously had a really good start to the year. I know they've been ice cold. Their goalie situation kind of sucks, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that that they are going to fight it out and maybe maybe fight for a wild card spot. But I mean, because right now they're they're hanging in there with Edmonton technically Unless... getting in if the playoffs started today, but. It'll be interesting to see how unless, it goes. Unless Edmonton gets a goalie, I don't see them getting in. Yeah, um, yeah that's a really good point. And Arizona just got Taylor Hall. They, they've they added depth up front. They have the forward help. Yeah. Um, they need to get Phil the Thrill going. He needs to start scoring some goals like they brought him in there to do. Um, and if they do that, like you said, their defense is sol- pretty solid and, and their goaltending is really good. So, uh, yeah, for me, it's it's – disagree but we almost have the same what thing I, say? I said vegas Van- vancouver i say arizona three who did i say three calgary yeah calgary yeah i like arizona's wild card team i think they could they can hang on there all right i love it um yeah, like i don't see minnesota maybe nashville i don't see minnesota staying as close to a wild card spot as they are have we well yeah anyway anyway over the so East. you ha- okay over the East, Jordy. Let's start in the Atlantic, and we'll go to the Metro next because the Atlantic is. So um, who, who are the two and three? Because we oh. know the Bruins are going to win. <laughs> oh, we don't want to talk about the Bruins. Oh, that's weird. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to give you a compliment. I just think they're at nine points yeah. ahead right now. They can score at will. The defense is unreal. It's the thing that's real. The, the thing that's real scary about the Bruins, Jordy, and you want to hear this? Sure. Real scary. Is the fact that they have ten losses in, in the shootout and overtime? They cannot, for the life of them, win a shootout or an overtime game. It's like to a point where I'd rather like rather play five on five and and do a continuous overtime because they they cannot do it. They cannot win three on three. They cannot win shootouts, uh, which is surprising for the offense they have. But the Bruins, their defense is hurt. They got a lot of guys. Going out, Charlie McAvoy uh, had the, that little procedure done, and Chara, whatever, in and out. But 
yeah, I think Bruins stay one. I think Tampa ends up jumping Toronto. Yeah. I think Tampa will find that magic they had from last year. Well, they are, um, seemingly started to. They're scoring at will right now. They're they're on a four game tear. They're di- and it seems like Vasilevsky started to figure his shit out, and they're finally getting a little healthier on the back end. I think. Yeah, I think I think exactly. I think that's exactly. I think those three stay the top three. Um, Florida's cute that they're there. They'll make a they'll make a cute little wild card team, but uh, that's about as far as they'll go, in my opinion. Um, and that's the Atlantic for me. Yeah, Florida's Florida's interesting because they have Bob. They have they have a pretty good team on paper, but they've been I don't know. It seems like something hasn't been there. They've almost been that San Francisco Giants take that we always have with different teams that that make all these different moves that it just never clicks. And it, like, at times it seems like it it seems like it does, and they make these runs, and then they have this these menial kind of meh runs like they have coming into the in into the second half pole. And I don't know. I feel like they're they could be battling it out for that last wild card spot, but I think it also depends a little bit on on how the the teams in the metro end up doing because right now they're they're four game or four points back from the Flyers for that last wild card spot and. And Carolina's five points ahead of them. The Islanders, we talked about a little bit of where they, they might sit and how they may end up getting it going and if they can stay consistent. Uh, but, yeah, that they're, they're probably the, the monkey wrench into into the, into the where the Eastern Conference sits because they're so interesting to think about because they have a really good offense, but their defense has been really lacking. It makes sense as a Flyers fan. You're worried about the Panthers. Um like I said, they'll be a cute little play a wild card team, and take a spot away from someone in the metro. Yeah. One of these ass teams like the Hurricanes who shouldn't be there. Um, sorry, was that too harsh? Uh, I mean, Carolina again is a team that probably should be doing better than they are. They're really good at home. They haven't played nearly as many home games as a lot of teams that we're probably about to talk about. Um, which I think it depend if if they play if they stay at the clip that they're at. They could be way higher in the division. Their offense is pretty solid. Their defense, their goaltending has been pretty good, which I think that's the one thing that would concern me if I was a Hurricanes fan is can it stay that hot? Uh, if it doesn't, they could really quickly fall out and you, you start betting every single over on every Carolina Hurricanes game. Uh, but, you know, you just got to see where you're at, I think, and, and take it game by game. They come into the second half fairly hot and 6-3-1 and one in their last 10 games. They have a number of different guys that they've made, I don't want to say questionable trades at the time, but trades that you, you do wonder, oh, why is Carolina acquiring this guy? Why have they, why have they done this? They they have Tara Vinen. They've had him for the last couple of years, and he's turned out to be really good. Sebastian Ajo has been on an absolute tear this year. He's hanging up there in terms of a number of different offensive statistics. So it's not, it's not, it's it might be a little harsh to call them complete ass. <laughs> I mean, their performance last year at the playoffs really—they uh, didn't even challenge the Bruins, and that's why the you know the Bruins have that slow start in the, in the Stanley Cup there. But oh, so uh, it's, it's Rod Brindamore's fault. <laughs> it's got to got to blame someone here, Jordy. <laughs> um, no, yeah. For so for me, like I said, uh, so that, that that's the Atlantic, the Metro. Carolina is in the, the Metro, which is uh, transition for us there. Stay hot, you and I. Uh, I think I think Pittsburgh leapfrogs Islanders 
I think it's Washington one, Pittsburgh two, and then I want to say the Flyers so badly. I'm not a fan of Carolina. I'm not a fan of the Islanders, even though the Islanders look like the real deal. Um, but I just want to have faith and hope that the Flyers did all they could to to get over that hump and and really put themselves in the playoffs and in, in, in a good a good playoff position as opposed to their usual you know we're just here so we don't get fined role um i don't know jordy you're you're (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so for me for me it's washington pittsburgh and philadelphia the the real blue bloods if you will uh second time we're using that phrase sure the real blue bloods of uh of the division that make it so fun fact the flyers have only made the playoffs three times in the new format of the top three division seeds get in uh, and they've been the three seed from the Metro three of those times. They've been the wild card, or twice. They've been the wild card <laughs> once. Um, so it still it would still be a usual spot. Playing the Penguins, which would be a fun series. Um, I do have Washington one. I mentioned it before. I, I don't think they're slipping up there. I think that gap only widens. I mean, it's just, yeah, I would I would think the Islanders can't possibly stay as good on the road as they have been. They've been at one of the better clips of any team in the NHL, uh, really outside of Washington, which is, I mean, that's one reason why I think, I mentioned on the solo pod, I, I really want to see a, a Capitals-Bruins series in the Eastern Conference Finals, and I think that would be a lot of fun to watch, see how all that goes. Because of how good they've been, that Wednesday night game a couple weeks ago was a lot of fun to, to tune into. Um, but talking about the Islanders, uh, what Barry Trotz does is just he throws out this, this shutdown Two one two type of play, and if they get a lead, they they feel comfortable enough with their goalies and bringing in Philip Grubauer has certainly helped them out with that. And um, or no, excuse me, they brought in Var- Varmalov and Grubauer went out west. Um, but Barzell has had a, has had a pretty good year, not as great as last year. And the different guys they they keep stepping up for him, so it's. I'd like to think that they that they slip up a little bit, and I, I would agree with you. The Penguins do probably end up taking that too, just because they've been there. They've battled injuries a lot though throughout this season, and Malkin's done a good job since he came back about a couple months ago. In wake of Sidney Crosby being hurt, Crosby coming back does nothing but good things. The only thing that probably would concern me if I was a Penguins fan is their goaltending. I mentioned it a little bit with Tristan Jari; he's been fantastic in the last two months basically and Murray's had a couple good wins here and there but he you know when if I you know if you talk to Jared and and I've watched a couple games with him Murray's been in his head a little bit and that's the one thing that I I think would be concerning is that where they end up going with that because of you know how good how good Jari has been and and where Murray's been at but um yeah Carolina did they what was that did Pittsburgh did Pittsburgh ever get that that uh, Murray versus uh, versus Flurry thing completely wrong. Oh yeah, Oof. I mean they put their entire future on Murray, and he has not done the job. No, he he's battled last year. He at least battled injury, so he had that to to say. This year, it's just been a complete head case type of thing, and and I don't know. I mean, it's Jari's been really hot, and you you run with a hot hand, especially if you get to a scenario where you're battling it out for home ice in that first round because you're battling for the two seed. If the Islanders stay hot or the Flyers or Carolina ends up getting really hot and, and jumping up there, 
Um, but talked about Carolina a little bit and, and where they're at. I, I feel like they could probably float around with, with the Islander, Flyer, Panther, you know, spot of if they're going to be in the three seed, if they're going to be a wild card. And I mentioned with the Flyers, they've been really inconsistent. They're a terrible road team. They come out flat usually at home. They've been up and down in terms of the first period. Um, one of the lower teams in terms of first period scoring, one of the one of the better teams in third period scoring. Um, but it seems that for almost every other road game, if they don't come out hot and they you know end up with a little bit of a deficit, you saw it last night where you get a uh, Brian Elliott shows his age game. I'll put it that way, letting up four goals in the first period to the Kings. Uh, sometimes they'll their offense will get it going. They did a little bit after bringing in Carter Hart, but. Sometimes those deficits are a little bit too too much to jump. So I you know I I'd, I'd like to think the Flyers can jump up into the three. Uh, you you mentioned it though. We've seen this story before. I do like though that they're that they are able to score in bunches. They're able to not sit back. A lot of the times in on previous teams, whether it was a Hackstall Hackstall led team, even when Berube was the coach for a year and a half, he he had some of these too. Of they would take a lead and then sit back and potentially blow the lead. So. The fact that when they, they do get a lead, Vigneault does not tell them to take their foot off the gas pedal. I really do like that, and uh, you know, it's a, that's a positive sign at least. And Morgan Frost and gets a, sent down to the HL, a, which hopefully he refines his scoring touch and comes back up and uh, was the guy we saw out of his first couple games in the NHL. As a player, too, it's always fun playing for a coach who wants you to continue to, continue to lay it on, um, if you will. So that's that's – Good to hear they're doing that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's funny that you have the Islanders as two, Capitals one. You no, sort so of have, I have it the Islanders put. too. I have the Islanders. I agree with you. I, I I have them probably three or four, and then Flyers flip with one of them depending on how the Flyers get it going. So who's your one? Who's your two? Caps who's your two, three? Caps what one, Penguins two, and then I'll just say I'll say Islanders three, Flyers four. Nice. Yeah. Nice. All right. Uh, almost the same. Yeah, the Flyers go to but Carolina, different. I think, on Sunday. So that'll be a, a very interesting – maybe Sunday or, Sunday or Monday because their first home game is next Wednesday. Um, they play in Vegas and at Arizona on their monster road trip for, because of Disney on ice, like we were talking about before. Uh, so we'll see where they're sitting at coming into that Carolina game. Yeah. Um yeah, interesting that, like you said, they sort of it's a little road 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 streak here. See what Philadelphia. So I mean, sometimes you need that. Sometimes it helps the team, brings them together, unites them. Really, you know, mm-hmm. rally around being on the road. Something about distractions at home and whatever uh, could be good. Yeah, could be a little uh, ricky. with the uh, they had a three game road losing streak right after Oscar Lindblom got diagnosed. With his uh, with all of his stuff going on, um, they actually they end up losing those first three games in kind of weird fashion, and they they had a nice little hot streak right after that. So, you know, maybe they find themselves a little bit here, and and we see it turn around a little bit. So who knows? One can hope. One can hope. One can hope. Jordy, uh, any major surprises you think coming down the pipe for uh, the NHL? <clears throat> I was a little surprised to see Taylor Hall get moved so early. I know that that it really kind of went from zero to sixty like that. 
uh, especially with how crazy New Jersey had been. Uh, they're really slow start. They're only at 34 points, and they had these expectations. Their offense really couldn't get anything going. I would have thought, though, maybe they would have sat on it, maybe tried to figure out something of a of a deal. I know they got some prospects out of the out of it, a few draft picks. I feel like we might start to hear other rumors now that that first domino has fallen. Considering that the uh, the trade deadline's at the end of February, I feel like we might we might see some more trades happen as you know, 2020 starts to develop rather than closer to that, closer to that deadline date. Um, you know, whether or not it's going to, are they, are they going to unload the Subban contract? I don't know who would want to take that on. That's the only thing I think about. Um, I feel like Wayne Simmons might get moved from New Jersey. I feel like we might hear some Ottawa players. Some of the guys that have really been, been hotter as of late, like a Shabbat or an Anthony Duclair. Maybe we hear their names get thrown out. Um, I don't think Detroit's moving anybody. I don't think Buffalo's moving anybody. Maybe the Rangers figure something out of of one of their different guys, like a Kreider, if they want to move him. Um, although that I feel like with how young they are, they probably want to hold on to some guys. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens there. And I'm trying to think of n- names in the West to throw out, but I don't know. I feel like we'll probably start to hear some rumors, especially now that the the bigger the bigger names have been uh, been out there. You know. Yeah, well, you're right. Um, uh, yeah, and and you wonder with with the expansion of Seattle and and them coming into the league soon, uh, you know, is this a time now to you know when it, when when do you start making those moves? What yeah. contra- How contracts are going to reflect that? Um, but for me, Subban. Yeah, it is. But for me, Subban, like talking about a guy who won the Norris, what? Two, three years ago. Yeah, it was two years ago. Three years ago, or three years ago, when they made the cup run. Yeah, yeah. So, so, I mean, he's he's not he's not old. He's he's still a good defenseman. It's just he's got so much money. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe maybe he's good in New Jersey. Maybe he'll stay stay there for a while and what have you. But uh, great little great little NHL recap, Jordy. I love it. I love it. Anything else before we wrap this thing up, Greg? Um, I don't want the, I don't want my, my, uh, I giving you a compliment about your solo pod to go to your head. Um, <laughs> you know, keep grinding, keep grinding, keep working to get better. Um, you know, you, uh, well, you did do well. Hey, there's always room pod. for improvement. Always room for improvement. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say you're feeling a little good about yourself right now because you had a great <laughs> you had a great little month. You had a great little month for yourself. Uh, so you're feeling a little confident. You just got and then you add this into it. Now the Eagles back themselves into the playoffs somehow, and hey, you know it's it's, it's, up it's, it's a successfully it's a successful year despite the fact they have so many injuries and all that. So I feel like you're feeling you're feeling yourself. You're a little confident. Um, don't let it go to your head too much. You got a wedding this weekend. I mean, all things are pointing to you, my friend, right now. Uh, so you ended out 2019 on a great note. Uh, there was it was tough for you for sure. You had you had some trying moments, and I think uh, you're one hell of a guy. You're a tough guy. You uh, you have emotions, but you've definitely embraced those emotions as opposed to before you tried to stifle them. I think you are positively embracing them and. And that's awesome. Good for you. You are a hell of a guy. You're a class act. And uh, Jordy, 
No better person I want as a friend than you, bud. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. And I appreciate all the kind words. Greg, I did make... I wrote out my goals for 2020. I wrote out a bunch of them. Uh, one is to do 100 podcasts, so we're well on our way now. Going one for one in 2020 days. But Greg, I also did golf, golf goals. Hey-o. You know what the one I have... I'm going to underline it right now. You know what it is? That's to do don't let those other fuckers sandbag us. Yeah, basically. Yeah, win back the Thunder Cup. <laughs> well, you know they Don't changed, they're changing the the how the way it's official now. It has changed how handicaps work. What's that? Uh, basically, it's just you take less scores to calculate your handicap. It made it more, and the weather comes into the calculation, which is actually very interesting for me as a stat guy. But yeah, no sandbagging. No sandbagging. Twenty twenty hashtag. Oh well, a lot of the guys on 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 the team that won Maddie D's team. Oh, on on a good day I'm like an eight, but a bad day I'm a sixteen. Well, then you don't go with a sixteen, bud. You don't go with your lowest fucking handicap. <laughs> you should make it. You, you know what I mean? Like, oh, on a bad day, Jordy, I I, I on a bad day I'm a twenty. So no. put me down as a twenty next year. Get on a bad day I'm a, I'm a thirty five. Please, come on. <laughs> Oh, I love it. That's what I, I'm going to start telling everyone. Uh, you know, I'm telling Matty D on a bad day, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a 30 handicap, so now I get to play <laughs> against the worst player in the field and we get an automatic win. What a joke. Oh, man. Uh, you, heard, you heard them say that, though, right? You heard a couple of those people say that, the blue team? Yeah, there's a few. I can think of a few. The kid I was playing... Yeah, you definitely are seeing some of them this weekend. The kid I was playing with, you and I were playing with, on the blue team he was like oh uh, some days i'm really bad and i shoot i shoot 16 over and other days i'm really good and i okay then you don't go with your worst day you go with the average buddy yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, what i'm gonna do and that's a i can write that down as a uh a administrative point jordy the administrator i'm gonna i matt wouldn't let me i'm i'm using all veto powers whatever matt protests of cutting handicaps, and we're going to barely use it. Yeah, we're, Greg, we're going to be all right. We're going to be all right in 2020. Just make it like it's not. It's not hard to download the 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 Gint or G I H N or M I H N, whatever app it is to calculate a handicap. It's not hard. Most people in the tournament play enough where they can get a handicap, and if they don't play enough, okay, fine, you're in the last group with the group who doesn't play that well, much. Well, now that's Done. part of what the changes are, is that you only need to have played three times to even calculate a handicap number. Amazing. No one no one listening to this pod at this point. Oh, Jordy, did we ever do the big surprise? Did we ever give the big announcement? I did talk about be- being engaged on the last podcast. Did You did mention that, but for those who didn't know and those who tweeted at Jordy got to find out, but he was... He had told me and was going to and did ask his now fiance to marry him, and that was the big surprise so and reveal from those who made it through last pod and those who made this make it through this one. Yeah, there's a little treat for you. Yeah, it's a treat. Yeah, you get to find out about it. <laughs> so, congrats to you, boss. Thanks, and have man. fun at uh, have fun at someone else's wedding this weekend. It's yeah. a bl- uh, super fancy wedding, Greg. And you're in. I can only imagine with that with that family, no. they deserve it. He's a great yeah. team, great guy, great family. I haven't met his fiance, but if he he's a good judge of character because he's friends with you. So, his, his... 
Actual uh, wife has to be uh, pretty good as well. Yeah, she's pretty nice. I've, I went to preschool with her. Her mom is one of my mom's best friends. Her younger sister is one of Mimi's be- best friends. So we're, uh, we're like two family peas in one pod. Nice. Nice. Yeah. All right, Jordy. I'll talk to you. Love right, you buddy. Well, everybody, go like, share, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on Twitter, ThunderBLG, ThunderBlogSports.com, just like our Instagram, ThunderBlogSports. Follow it Sunday as I'll be at the Eagles game. Matt may or may not. It should be a good time. Greg, thank you as always. And we will talk to you guys later. Fly, Eagles, fly. (laughs) Not going to say it? Uh, No, no, no. All right. No. Go Flyers. Carter Hart for life.